Welcome to the Groningen Feminist Network podcast. Um, today we are having a uh, live discussion at Activism Today um, about how we organize uh, inclusive activism. Um, my name is George, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm just going to go around the line of the panels from this side to that side. Hi, my name is Elise, um, and my pronouns are she, her. And I am here um, representing, or at least telling you guys a little bit about um, the organization I'm part of, IDEA, but I'm also part of uh, Women's March Groningen. Okay. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about IDEA? Um, IDEA stands for Initiative for Diversity, Equality um, and Awareness. And uh, we are trying to bring a little bit of like non-Western knowledge into the mainstream and let people know about it a little more. And we're trying to combat racism and colorism with our events. Okay, cool. Thanks. Uh, my name is Milan. Uh, my pronouns, pronouns are he, him. Um, I'm part of Groningen Free Activists. Um, we are an animal rights organization. Okay. My name is Millie, and um, yeah, I'm a black queer rights activist, also a part of and a founder of BLOG, which is the Black Ladies of Kroninger, which um, I founded because I thought there weren't really any spaces for black people, especially black women, in Kroninger. Um, hi, my name is Marlene. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm here to represent uh, Women's March Groningen. Yeah. 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 I think everyone pretty much is aware of what is Women's March and you're the Groningen Great. chapter. Um, hi, I'm Forrest. Um, I use pronouns he, him, or they, them. Um, and I'm here as a member of Extinction Rebellion, um, also known as XR, um, and the chapter started in Groningen in uh, January. Yeah, so that's our panel. We also have uh, an audience here, and later on we will also ask the audience to weigh in on the topics we're discussing. But first of all, I would um, like to sort of hear from the panelists, when you hear the word inclusive, what does that mean to you, um, and what does it mean to you in relation to activism? And I'll just say, like, anyone can start um, if they feel up to it. I mean, nowadays we hear the word inclusive a lot in, um, I think, in relationship to, uh, for example, disability with like inclusion in schools. Um, and I think that's great. But in general, for the activism I practice, um, inclusion means for me that we try to make our ideas and our events as accessible as possible to everyone, even people who might oppose those ideas uh, so they can educate themselves more. And I think inclusivity sometimes um, also has to mean um, getting rid of people who are against, uh, against inclusivity in these spaces. If uh, someone is trying to exclude someone, then it might be necessary <coughs> to exclude them to <laughs> keep the inclusivity as intact yeah. as possible. Yeah, it is an interesting point that you raised because uh, your organization is an uh, educational group 
primarily like you want to educate people so you have to also include people who disagree with you as long as they're willing to I guess hear what everyone else in the space has to say and vice versa mm. yeah. if I understand yeah definitely I mean we had uh, just a workshop just last week and uh, we tried uh, to make everyone feel comfortable expressing their opinions, but we also made clear in the beginning that if someone is being disrespectful or practicing hate speech, that we will reserve the right to kick them out because that just doesn't foster like um, a good, uh, a good uh, community and you can't really um, talk to someone who doesn't want to listen or who doesn't want to uh, at least except that they have to hear your opinion before they can bash it, basically. <laughs> yeah, and to respect the people in the space as individuals. Um, other people, thoughts on inclusion? I think I can uh, really agree with Elise. Um, she kind of said everything that I had in my mind. Um, but especially when I um, thought about inclusiveness just for myself coming as a white uh, cis to a woman um i first was like oh yeah you know i i want everybody to be included but i do also get now um through my work with women's march that that's not always possible and sometimes um you you need to make sure that you also create a safe space um and you know being also aware of your own privilege and that obviously i am much more included than um, a lot of other communities and yeah just like this realization I think is also very important and it shaped a lot of how uh, I also would like Women's March Honingen going forward and I think we're doing this um, a lot so yeah kind of that aspect I just want to add one thing I think that being inclusive also goes a bit deeper also because uh in taking steps to actively do that you know like actively make sure that everything stays inclusive and um that you do it in everything you do you know yeah. so. and on, on different levels as well it's not yeah. just enough to have an event that's open to everyone but who yeah. is organizing the event mm -hmm. um and are the events in the future like you can do it once but are you going to do it the second and the fifth and the tenth time exactly yeah yeah because there's also a difference from also seeing we're inclusive than and really doing it and engaging with other communities you know mm -hmm. to make sure that you're you stay inclusive and um yeah that's the mindset of yeah. the group so I guess there's also an element for you of reaching out to people, yeah, and that you to, to be inclusive. It's not enough to to, to just open the space, but also to um, reach out to people and bring them into your space and and, yeah. and, and collaborate on those things. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think like it. I think like space is huge. Also, it's like how is it's not just like the space itself, like welcoming everyone, but it's mm -hmm. also how people are engaging in that space. So sometimes there can be ways in which people engage 
in a space that then it's like oh well we're being really inclusive so like say there's like an event about like feminism and then like a bunch of men are running it or like just like talking over everybody and then it's like oh we had like an inclusive space that then now turned into a non-inclusive space or like how are we talking how are our body language these kinds of things also I think should be thought about with inclusivity rather than just like oh like please come in like also just outreach like I agree like with Millie it's just like we should always go deeper like yeah with this so actions versus words yeah 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 or both yeah Yeah, both (laughs) Mm -hmm. Milan do you have a um yeah um so we are you're mainly an activist organization we basically only do activism Mm -hmm. um we came for we came from this organization called anonymous for the voiceless um and we left them because they, they weren't inclusive to um well, they, they made some remarks about um, women that were being sexually assaulted and they were not believing them. Um, it's also about um, pronouns um, or even they weren't inclusive to the Dutch language or German language. So we left them and then we started our own group, Groning Free Activists. And I think the main reason, the main thing we have been doing is trying to show solidarity at actions. Um, uh, but then I think maybe we've actually ignored like the part where we make a safe space, where we have a, a statement, where we, um, yeah, show that we that we have that space. Yeah, because your actions are very much, um, yeah, it's it's things that you go and you do, so you don't really think about like creating spaces because you're really like, I feel like a lot of the actions I've seen uh, the Koning of Free Actors do are very much about taking up space, for example, in Heerstadt and like doing promotions there. Um, and so y- you're not making that thing open. So how can you make it inclusive in other ways? How can you indicate that these are your goals and these are the, the sort of, um, uh, yeah, that these are the ideals that you want to uphold and like the, the, that you want to have, like support people from all, um, yeah, possible walks of life sounds so cheesy, but like from people from any kind of background and, and, and situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We always um, just, you know, we go somewhere, we protest or we show solidarity at another protest. Mm-hmm. So we never really stop to actually make a statement about, you know, what we want and how we want to be inclusive. Yeah, that's uh, actually a really interesting or good segue into uh, how do our organizations really approach uh, inclusiveness? Uh, do you think that there's a conscious approach and unconscious approach or maybe that's a bit of a trick question i think there's always an unconscious and a conscious relationship to to topics like this um yeah i don't know how do different organizations here in your experience uh have different organizations you've worked with um approach this i think uh for for women's match groningen um it's quite an active topic um, mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, we always try to um, include, like have a target group that's very inclusive to invite everybody to the table and, and come, even people that may not have prior knowledge or they may not be interested, um, you know, like Elise said, uh, may even have uh, something against uh, what the event is about. Um, but uh yeah and like um trying to be aware of our words when we post something which is something that i personally learned in the beginning when making a post um to not talk uh, about just sisters and brothers but siblings um and i think uh 
those kind of little things um, can make an impact. Um, but there's also obviously this unconscious thing where when we talked about this podcast we got into ideas oh actually we don't think about you know for example um, disability that much and uh, we don't our, our meetings are very open everybody can come um, and, and just approach us and join and we encourage that but at the same time we are meeting all over the place and uh, sometimes we're meeting in the university library mm-hmm. and that's not very accessible for people outside and yeah those kind of things um, is something that keeps us reminded okay you know think about things more deeply try really to to think outside maybe what you know and and in an organization I think sometimes we get into a trot as well right um, and think about that and uh, about those la- above those lines yeah that makes sense yeah, I definitely get what you mean with IDEA because it's a very young organization. We only really started meeting towards the end of last year and uh, we just recently had our first events and so that is something we're trying to figure out right now. How can we be as inclusive as possible because our board right now are the people of course who like were there in the since the beginning but now that we've started going public and doing events of course we want to um, to have a really diverse board if possible. And um, you have to think about how do you actually approach people who are, who maybe don't have the same living circumstances as you, who um, maybe have different opinions. Um, I mean, if you want someone on the board, if the opinions are too diverging, of course that also creates trouble. So how much diversity is great and how much just makes us unable to function is I think also um, very important uh, thing that you have to think about and it's uh, something we're figuring out right now and uh, yeah it's very yeah. difficult but also extremely interesting and uh, extremely rewarding if you do something right and you find out something new yeah I mean, it's a little bit of a, a tolerance paradox um, in the sense of like how much if you're saying like well how diverse can it be it's almost more like well what opinions can we i guess tolerate in our in our fold without uh becoming i suppose intolerant to each other is i i don't know like that's how i came out of it but i suppose also opinions in terms of organizing but also opinions i think on 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 the issues that you're discussing or oh yeah definitely i mean with ideal we focus mostly like on non-western knowledge and on racism but now that we've had like a good event, maybe we want to branch out, but then we have to uh, see like, what are the opinions on everyone on the board? I mean, we haven't discussed a lot of diverging topics that is not really our main opinion that, but that we would maybe like to work in, on in the future. And we've noticed already that we have like very diverse opinions on topics. And then we have to think about like, what will be the stance of idea as an organization how can we uh, basically either focus on one opinion or make all opinions heard and visible Um, but that is also very difficult as an organization to uh, basically promote multiple ideals yeah and then of course then there's some ideas that should not be 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I mean, mean like, there's always yeah, something yeah, yeah, that I know. you just, just can't promote. But yeah, yeah. So um, XR recently has been um, Extinction Rebellion has been having um, receiving a lot of open letters um, online from various uh, organizations, especially around their UK chapters uh, mm -hmm. and in England and. Uh, a lot about diversity or decolonization or inclusivity and then solidarity like these four terms are four terms I was thinking about a lot around this podcast um, so for example XR at the moment really focuses on what people are terming arrestability and so the notion of getting arrested is very important to the movement's founders especially like their idea about how things work so if a certain amount of people get arrested various things are supposed to happen sociologically, like with the society. So if more people, like 3.5% of people get arrested, according to these sociologists, then all of a sudden, like, um, people start to get noticed, right? But of course, this takes in, like, this is a very uh, white stance on how things operate, right? It, it doesn't acknowledge, like, really the problems of prisons and has nothing to do with prison abolition. It doesn't acknowledge the fact that four activists in the global south are killed every week doing the same kind of work, but it's much mm -hmm. more dangerous in these locations. Um, and it doesn't take into account the way in which the police and the prison, prison industrial complex generally treats people of color and trans people. So I think that, but are there ways then that XR could be in solidarity with other organizations, right? So like, can you be a um, inclusive organiz like so there's like one thing to be inclusive about like okay so let's not focus on arrestability or think differently about how we do activism because arrestability is not something that most people can or want to like or have the privilege mm -hmm. to get involved in in like a yeah. positivistic sense um, <laughs> yeah. and then also is there a way for like white people for example especially like white cis people to get arrested or do things in solidarity with other groups by using their privilege um, and then to kind of like think critically about what they're doing. So these yeah. are sort of questions that XR is, I think, trying to work through that are not necessarily easy answers either. Mm -hmm. um, but like, so, yeah, so it's like, do you, but XR at the moment claims constantly to be inclusive and this is in and of itself problematic yeah. when you're focusing on arrestability. Those two things can't really work yeah, together at yeah. the moment. Yeah, and of course, XR is also quite a young organization that has gotten a lot of um, media attention in a very short time yeah. um, because of, of the tactics that they, they use that are very much, uh, I think, theatrical is almost a word you could use and, and, mm -hmm. and the arrestability of it all. Um, so they get a lot of attention, and I think you have like a lot of scrutiny to uh, do good politics very quickly um, or else get, I guess, this sort of backlash, which is then this very founded criticism, um, which is good that it's being engaged with, I suppose, by the organization. Because um, you say like a lot of this stuff comes from then, uh, or comes towards the UK, uh, the UK chapter, but I, I imagine it also has like a sort of uh, trickle down or follow through towards the Dutch chapter and then even to the Koninga chapter. How does how does XR Koninga engage with it then? Totally. So this is um, something that Milan and I and some other people have had conversations about previously. So one thing that's interesting is um, I'm also part of Code Road in Groningen, mm -hmm. um, which is like a, a Dutch name that's founded by Dutch people, like Dutch activists who are doing things. And XR is also a grassroots organization that was started in the UK. Mm -hmm. And so like when I talk to my friends who live in the UK, their chapters 
are very diverse, especially with age groups. So like their age groups are from like 15 year olds to people in their 60s and 70s who are like, and everywhere in between, and they're always amazed by this. And in Kroningen, for example, we're almost only students yeah. um, and we're very young because like, the like extinction rebellion as a term like as a translation towards like a dutch context <laughs> in and of itself makes far less sense um than a ter term like code road like and when you join that organization that is also doing climate activism you immediately notice also this diversity of age group because yeah. there's all the local people are involved in it because it, it literally just the name itself um so this is something that i think also extinction rebellion Kronigan, is um, is struggling with because it's like yes of course we're interested in reaching out to the local group so then it's like how do you so you see that that code road is already doing something and has a group of people so then how can you kind of stand in solidarity or work with that organization or other organizations in the city um, and also do what you have been doing well um, and try and like balance those like because um, it's like can you change like do you change the name right again like if you're yeah. in a new context right so this is like uh, yeah, so like baseline problems that the that the group hasn't worked out, but I think is thinking about actively. Yeah. Any reactions from uh, people at the panel? I think the uh, having very young base is a very, I mean, it is of of course like a global problem. I feel like that, especially with like activism, um, that is um, a little bit more current or topical i feel like you have a little bit more younger activism but i feel like it's especially a groningen problem just because groningen is such a big student city and i think because the student community here is so big and i think actually quite close-knit in comparison to other student cities it's very hard to reach out outside of the student community and get people to uh, come in and see what everything is about mm -hmm. And then also taking into consideration that I think the student community is quite international. We have a quite large group of internationals here in Groningen. And Groningen itself is a city in the north of the Netherlands where the rest of the, of, of this area is not very international at all. So how do you um, sort of unify on the one hand, you know, organizing with people who don't speak Dutch, but also people who don't speak English? Because I think there's a, a degree of like, people think a lot of Dutch people speak English very well. But I think once you leave the big cities, um, you know, English isn't... Uh, did I say Dutch people speak Dutch very well? Or Dutch people speak English very well? Once you leave the big cities, like, it becomes... And, and once you even, like, just leave the academic sort of situation, it, it becomes clear that there's also this language barrier. And how do you sort of, um, yeah, cross that divide? It's also an experience barrier. Mm -hmm. Like, I find yeah. that's also very interesting at Kronigan, where you get activists from all over the place like I'm coming from the United States so like I remember coming here and feeling very strange just generally about the police presence which is harsh in certain ways but is less harsh than I was used to mm -hmm. um, so then you have to like deal with the police differently in the way in which you do actions for example for my context yeah. but uh, all different kinds of activists from everywhere I think can bring very helpful ideas but I agree can become a fault line as well like uh, in terms of language barrier in general for all of us like speaking together yeah i just want to say that the fault line was very funny because we have like earthquakes earthquakes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not funny it's like ironic uh marlene you were gonna say something um yeah i uh we actually i just thought about that as well when you said that there's like this um difficulty of of reaching out uh like beyond your age um kind of 
and we've had a um, very nice uh, woman uh, moving here and uh, she was also um, I think she moved here from Germany and uh, she was active in another woman's march chapter there and um, but she had a little kid a um, little baby and um, she came to one of our meetings and was um, very keen of trying to um, you know work with us but at the same time there was such a big difference of how her life was going and how our life was going as all students really hard like mm -hmm. in the bachelor thesis kind of deep in there um, and um, we could never really make it work um, in the sense of trying to find meetings that would fit her and fit us um, and I wish I, I would have known as well, like I would have loved to do a photo inter interview or something um, to kind of see as well what could we improve um, beyond just the uh, meetings and kind of like the, the structural stuff, but also like the, the human stuff. So were we maybe not as open or especially like open to her situation of having a, a kid and um, uh, in a new city not really knowing anybody her husband is going off to work um and could we maybe supported her in other ways and made her made it a like made it um possible for her to to um get active in in a way that would fit her and fit us so i think um yeah i just really need to think about that uh once you said that and i i was wondering because it's just something that i've been mulling over and I think that the organization in, it, in its whole has how can we reach beyond the circle that we currently have as a target group? Because we are interested in that. Yeah. We want other people to come as well. Yeah. Um, I, th I think we recently had a discussion about um, animal rights activism and, um, and how animal rights activists were, you know, um, <laughs> um, doing with like anti-racism, uh, Solidarity, and um, I know Millie talked to one of our activists, uh, Maya, and you mentioned that we could maybe do um, our actions in black communities so that we are also doing our actions there. And also for like XR, um, um, one of the things I think went wrong was that um, XR Groningen or even the Netherlands didn't immediately include um, the wishes of the Groningers to stop gas extraction or. Um, uh, climate justice for the Groninger, Groningers basically um, in their demands because like if you don't have that in your demands then you also like it will be hard to um, be inclusive to like actual Groningers. Well I can't really say anything from my group mm -hmm. because it is a space for black women and yeah. it's for a reason. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about the um, animal rights uh, activism. I think um, <coughs> a lot has to be taught of in terms of how um, everything is intertwined, especially with um, other people who are in mon minoritized positions and uh, how accessible it is to actually partake in, you know, um, protest or whatever, or actually being able to access the group itself. So um, 
yeah, that was really what I was concerned about. And to me, as a black person, um, looking, looking at the group, and I mean, not just Kroninger in particular, I never really felt that it tried to uh, in, be inclusive to, well, my community. So, um, yeah, I was just trying to point that out. And it was, it, it's constructive criticism, not really to say like, oh, y'all did this, but to say, you know, this is how I feel as a black person. And um, yeah, just to take that in account when um, thinking about how you could include people of color into your activism. Because I think all these activisms are intertwined with each other. And um, I think it's a lot of times when uh, we don't think about it. It's kind of sometimes our privilege that blocks us from seeing that. And um, if somebody points that out, you know, I think it's just to take it in stride and try to make it more inclusive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you touched on like a very important thing is like when you're having conversations, because we're having conversations now of like, how can we make our groups more inclusive? Uh, how can we reach out to communities beyond our, our sort of circle, our own circles? Um, be that, you know, like uh, rural Groningers or be it black people in Groningen who are, you know, particularly a uh, marginalized community. Um, you need to talk to people from that community and ask what they need yeah. and ask what, what would benefit them and how they would feel more comfortable in exactly, your yeah. activism, in your work. And I think not just that, in all activism, even within the black community, which is a marginalized community, I think that we should think really critical about uh, why, um, oh, I'm losing my train of thought, but That's right. um, yeah, or how we could engage with each other with all the diversity in the group or yeah mm -hmm. just with diversity outside our groups you yeah. know because i feel like activism should go past like i was saying some time ago a superficial layer that in order for us to really really truly go past these boundaries and, and accept each other, we have to kind of, I mean, actually get into the cultures and the diversity of each other mm -hmm. to understand that and to really surpass those boundaries. And I think until we do that, there will always be these walls you know like to really be with each other and not be yeah. next to each other yeah exactly yeah. because i feel like 
we all we do activism but we're like still away from the groups that we say that we want to be for or are inclusive mm -hmm. for and um i think we have to dig deeper yeah to really really solve the problems mm -hmm. you know what i mean i want to touch on like one thing that you brought up just like right before this is that you said well you know your gr group is a group for black women in Groningen mm -hmm. and so obviously by nature that is exclusive yeah but also what you point out is like within your community there's also like within the community of black women there's also infinite diversity yeah and so like even within there there's space to become I think more inclusive yeah always, exactly right? because you know I'm the only tr trans black woman that's in the group mm -hmm. And I still also feel like um, some, well, most, of, well, all of the members are cis hetero uh, black women, and I still feel there's a bit of a uh, towards a, me. Yeah, like a distance. You know, right? like I have to still kind of like be careful, but you know, like I'm black, mm -hmm. just like all of the other people in the group so uh, also i think there's this sense of blackness cannot be queerness mm -hmm. in the black community that i still ha think has to be overcome although I, you know like nobody has said anything to me yeah. i think that um <clears throat> there is a kind of like uh reluctantness to talk about me being queer and black so um also that you know like i wish there was a place to bridge my queerness with my blackness mm -hmm. you know so that's the kind of thing i'm talking about so yeah. yeah and this is like within your community and then yeah but and then also to then expand it again yeah uh, when you have like, side by side like we had here with the animal rights activism and 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 um, black activists and anti-racist activism, yeah, um, you know like you still it sometimes still is like you're side by side and there's no bridge there. Yeah, I guess. exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to move on to one more question before we get the audience involved. Um, I wonder if all of you can think of like one very concrete moment uh, where you encountered a pitfall while organizing. So I think um, uh, a pitfall regarding inclusiveness. So I think for me, like a very easy example to reach back to, I've said this a couple of times already in, in the lead up to the recording, is that when I was on the board of the GFN, we were looking for a place to have our weekly meetings. And now, of course, we meet at Jimmy's, 8 o'clock on Wednesdays every week. Um, but before, before, we didn't really have a fixed place. And for a while, we were in the Crown. And we would be upstairs in the Crown. and. Uh, the Crown, you know, it's very good that we could be there because it was free and, like, there was space. But there's, it's only stairs, so there's no accessibility for people with um, mobility issues. Um, it's very loud, so people who have auditory processing issues, um, you know, it was just not feasible. As well as, you know, just for communication, it's, it becomes difficult. Um, and now we're in Jimmy's. And Jimmy's, you know, like, at first, like, there wasn't, you know, at least the ground floor is accessible, but like there's a step and the restroom is behind the steps and like, you know, like, so there's no, still for people who are, uh, you know, using a wheelchair, like you can't, uh, 
like for them like there was no accessible restroom um which incidentally is also the case here at the gallery where we're recording the building itself is has a step-free access but the restroom um is not accessible for people who need to take their wheelchair into the bathroom um and then jimmy's got some um uh, interns or got an intern who used a wheelchair um and they got uh, basically ramps to use into the building and now this building is actually very much wheelchair accessible so it's like a sort of process of um you know for for the gfn for a while we really weren't accessible um to people with mobility uh, issues um it became a little bit more accessible and then thanks to jimmy's um and actually probably thanks to the intern who was at jimmy's who required a uh, ramp access you know now it's an accessible building so i was wondering if there's like pitfalls that you encountered with organizing um and it's like a very fairly superficial i think issue like it doesn't come down to like deep-seated the root causes or whatever but if there's any kind of pitfalls that you can remember in your organizing and then for extinction rebellion and the women's march maybe even like thinking because you're both also members of or, like international groups right so like issues that you sort of came across pitfalls of being inclusive or failing to be inclusive? I mean, Women's March, I think, <laughs> is a very nice example for that. I think we've probably talked about the um, Women's March on the podcast. <laughs> As you should have. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure, uh, in case somebody doesn't know, um, the, the Women's March, Groningen, uh, but the Mo Women's March was founded um, uh, by, um, well, marches all over America um, when Trump was inaugurated and uh, this developed into a, an into, into an activist group and then into a global activist group um, but uh, soon uh, the American chapters um, were found out to be uh, very very uh, uh, exclusive in the sense that it was uh, basically just white women and they were fighting for white women. Um, so, and there was a lot of, uh, for me, the biggest thing I've, I've got confronted with and there were many, many sub, um, sub layers to that uh, was that um, the, the founder group uh, was actually accused of being very anti-Semitic. Um, Even though I think the founding group was actually also a fairly diverse group, right? It was a a, yes. a white woman and a Latina woman and a black woman, a I, Muslim woman. And yes, I, um, I'm um, not 100% uh, sure on our founders. Um, I know that the march itself, uh, the, the way I saw it, was incredibly um, uh, diverse uh, and a lot of people uh, went out to voice their anger. Um, but then what it became afterwards so the, the founding and then what it developed into was very exclusive and um even though we are i think uh elise told me that uh yesterday at a meeting as well um that even though we are a he for she organization um there uh was a chapter that uh was striving for more a matriarchy instead of a, a gender um, equality across the board um, anyway what happened now is that actually Women's March Global has split um, oh. and we are not affiliated with uh, most of the uh, American chapters anymore 
So there is now Women's March Inc. and Women's March Global. <laughs> and um, for us, as this, uh, as the chapter in Groningen, it was very important to take a stand against that and be like, this is not who we are and this is not who we want to represent. Um, so we um, actually uh, made a post about it and um, tried to, to talk about this, that this is not what we believe in, but that we believe in inclusivity and we believe in in being diverse and um, well, you can break it down, intersectional feminism, we want to bridge those, um, build bridges between communities um, and, and give voices to different communities. So although we <laughs> kind of swerved it, um, there is this very conscious, um, this, this consciousness for us where we come from and, and where it developed into. And I think what the effect was, at least for this chapter, is that nowadays I think we take a, a much closer look and, and trying to keep questioning us and not so, so for us to not <laughs> kind of lead down the same route, um, you know, but be aware and, and question where you're going and question your decision. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important, you know, in all activism to reflect mm. is important so that you could see where you're going or what you might have done wrong to mm. change that. Yeah. Are there any other experiences or people want to sh share experiences instead of just keeping an eye on the clock? And I would very much like to talk about um, first if any people have any experience they want to share about like their organizations um, or if we can move on to also inviting audience and stuff to participate okay I mean I can say one very quick thing yeah sure uh, in idea we were trying to be very inclusive of different ideas and um, sometimes when we don't have like consensus or we can't really like discuss something out we'll have votes mm -hmm. about stuff for example we had a vote about do we want to cooperate with political parties, which political parties, when, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so we noticed that the voting system we were using, basically you can only vote for one option, was very exclusive, so, um, or not exclusive, but uh, wasn't very, uh, wasn't a very good ground to foster diverse ideas. Mm -hmm. So we've, uh, we're now transitioning to, um, what is the name again? I'm sorry, um, it's called uh, consensus voting where you can like um, vote for multiple things or not vote for multiple things, but put them in a rank order right. so that if your first pick doesn't win, basically you still have the second thing to fall back on and so on, so that in you don't feel like you have to vote for one thing to get rid of another thing um, when you were really hoping for something else. Yeah. yeah. Like a... So you don't have to do like a, a sort of strategic vote. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I have one more thing to say. Um, something good, I, I guess, um, because um, it was about uh, GFN. As Groningen Free Activists, a lot of us have been active at GFN, mm -hmm. um, try, trying to bridge that gap that you were talking about. 
Um, I f feel like GFN has also received us well because we are, as animal rights activists, not necessarily the ones being oppressed, but um, still GFN was like very open to um, us talking about species and we did like one meeting about where feminism and um, animal rights, where they intersect and why it's a feminist issue. So I feel like, um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that was a very interesting meeting. I was there. I thought it was really cool. Aww, <laughs> yeah, and I'm just kind of sad that I missed it now. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's yeah. so interesting. I've missed so many interesting meetings the last few weeks. Do you want to react? No. Or, okay, I thought yeah, you had a no, reaction. No, no, no. Uh, then I would like to sort of open this question to everyone who is in the circle. Um, and so that also includes people on the panel, but I'll, I'll invite the people who have uh, been silent so far. Um, to just some questions about our own experiences um, surrounding inclusion and exclusion. And I think I'm going to just make it quite broad because I've got a couple of questions, but I just want to have it just be open. Um, if you feel like there's a topic broadly that in your sort of uh, area of interest in activism is uh, underrepresented or if... Um, there was a time that you felt very included or excluded by a particular form of activism or an organization. And then also if you have, I, I guess I'm going to come to that at the end, like the end I'm going to do, not end end, but like spoilers. Claudia? Yeah, sure. Um, so this is Claudia, pronouns uh, she, her. Um, I've been thinking about, well, you were all discussing um, really interestingly because all, none of the organizations are similar to the other in the ways you organize, in the ways you use space, in the ways you use communication, and your ends and objectives and goals. And um, I wanted to share uh, an experience from the GFN, um, actually, which happened, um, I think, like last fall, probably. Um, I was part of the bored at the moment so um this kind of touched me personally um more than if i hadn't been and um it was a moment where we were having this discussion weekly that was how can we be both an educational space and a safe space so it has to do a lot with um being inclusive but how inclusive because um, as you said, if you want to have like an educational space, you have to welcome people who will not agree necessarily with you. But at the same time, if you want to create a safe space, specifically um, for queer people or for people who are questioning themselves, and um, we have to ensure that there's the right use of pronouns and then no one says anything disrespectful, um, then, well, do we leave people out at the door? Um, and there was this moment that was quite tense because a couple of people came up um, who really, really, really challenged this idea of how are you really being both and kind of like calling us out, like how can you say you're both like an educational space and a safe space because if you're a safe space, you necessarily need to kick some people out if they're being disrespectful to other people. Um, and it's like a really hard line to walk th through um but at the same time um yeah uh 
I think like the best you can do is like do the best you can for the m most of your community and the case of the GFN is very specific because it, it's like very space based like it's not like not a lot of actions happen outside of Jimmy's so Jimmy's is like the main like base it's where the community gathers exactly. and every we're there every week and yeah yeah um and wait now i lost my train of thought <laughs> um yeah what ended up happening is that um we had to like decide do we rethink all our values and do we reevaluate ourselves and to what point um, because of some people do it, making some demands that are almost impossible to meet um, or do we stand our ground and admit that we are not perfect but this is the best that we can do and this is the best that we can offer the community and there's the only feminist organization that there is in, in Groningen so because um, I've also been asked like why are you um, not like a female only organization because where I come from in Spain, like most feminist organizations do not accept um, men. Uh, yeah, there's like a, a, a risky, sounds like a risky slope. But. It's a very, yeah, it's like, the, it's a very kind of radical feminism there, but there's like a lot of like women only associations um, and women only spaces. And it's like, this is impossible here because like there's not so there's not so many of us. I mean, it's also not do that. an impossible situation because Millie has, you know, a black women's organization which is an exclusive space but i think that's also never what the gfn exactly. was meant to be exactly. but but then you know um i think somebody could have their opinion but it's also how they uh voice it you know in yeah. a way because yeah it could have somebody who has a different opinion from maybe what what GFN upholds, but decides to not be violent or to uh, the people who are in the space, but more of the times that doesn't happen. So, right, and there is also a discussion there on how do you define violence, right? Because um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you shout and insult people, but just like by sometimes voicing your opinion you are not even consciously maybe you're hurting somebody or or somebody's getting affected by it and then um it can get bad yeah and you yeah. have to also like like know when to maybe you have to stop a debate before it gets I feel like the the safe space meeting was a direct consequence of a meet and a meeting that happened before that, uh, where we didn't stop the debate before it got bad, yeah. or we had to stop the debate as it was getting bad. Um, yeah, I which is that is very complex, and we're not going to get into it now no, because it was a. But like that, like at that point, that was like mm -hmm. very, because um, we were also a very new board, and I was like. Yeah. Oh my God, we're doing this all wrong. Um, <laughs> and like, I don't think you were. I no, think it I, was just. I just like. I think that we were confronted by like very, very demanding and high standards um, from certain limited group of people who would just demand but not give anything in return. And then you have to stop and think. Okay, 
we are not perfect. We are mm-hmm. what we are. And if we don't exist, it's worse than if we exist imperfectly. Yeah. And I think that's like a good advice for any activist organization. Like even if you mm. think you do not, you're not getting to a certain point, it would be worse if you were not there. Yeah. So like be happy about it. And like doing your best is sometimes, although that cannot always be perfect, um, but just knowing, okay, you put that effort in, you you tried, um, and to to then go back and reflect and try again, and and maybe change a little thing if if you're like maybe we can change that, uh, or you need to accept we cannot go. This is an impossible situation for us, but trying again and just doing your possible best. I think it's the only way for us also to all stay sane (laughs) because activism in itself can be very challenging and exhausting um, especially if you're trying to make everybody happy which by the definition of activism you cannot Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) there will always be somebody who's going against you and um, so I think what you're saying is super valid Mm -hmm. I think so too and so myself too Mm -hmm. I, I mean we you have to continue for the bigger fight or, you know, just continue um, because, I, I mean, you're doing as much as you could to make changes and that should be good enough, you know. Yeah, like, um, part of me, like, uh, wants to disagree just a little bit in terms of like <laughs> Go for no, it. in terms yeah. of especially like white led activist groups so mm-hmm. like some of these groups like XR for example in some of the cr- critiques that are happening from especially um, Wretched of the Earth Collective in the UK is saying like that the way in which XR can be whitewashing the climate movement with some of the claims that they make like undermine so much work that yeah. has been done by indigenous people mm-hmm. and by people of color and black people across the globe and like especially in London itself for them that then like it that XR like probably like by problematizing that work it can become worse so like there's been recent debates that I've been seeing online like saying like asking whether or not like white led spaces should exist like at all like so for example like there are some spaces that people are starting and I know that I think there's some people in Utrecht doing this um, where it's like white men gathering together to talk about like whiteness and masculinity and a critical trying to be critical of mm-hmm. each other but like we also I feel like all of us have ex- experienced the 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 horribleness that often comes when there's just white men together in room, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so, so it's yeah. like, um, mm-hmm. how, like, how does this happen, right? Because if you're like, oh, oh like, how, like, if you're a group of white men, then like, yeah, obviously we should all be like working on ourselves, like we as in white men, like me as a, that's a, my identification, like, then how does this happen, right? Like, uh, um, and then like, uh, like in my past, I've often been in like movements that are led by black people and especially by black queer people and then it's like I'm a part of that movement and I'm doing everything I can to help you like and be part of the liberation fight because like your liberation is also my liberation but then like can white led movements do this or like can white or do white movements just make things worse like I don't I as me as a white mm-hmm. person I also don't think it's necessarily my way to answer that question but I think yeah. like yeah. this is a, another one of these issues yeah I mean there's obviously 
like I think there's a lot of things where we can where you can say like no one's perfect and nobody's but then you and, and you know like you can always try better and you can always you know learn and reflect and yeah. then there are these like fundamental uh big questions and also you know as a white person like I can't talk about like you know the validity of, of white-led movements and especially like in terms of climate activism which has you know historically been and and continues to be like a struggle that primarily indigenous people and people from uh global south like will be the first to suffer under um and are the first to suffer under under climate change and stuff so like that's a also a very complex issue and it's good that you pointed out um i don't know if like other people want to react to that i mean actually i would like to say yeah something. <laughs> uh yeah my name is Haiha. i'm a member of the women's march and my pronouns are she and her and to the like to the white men group, I wanted to say something because it was um, last year at a festival. It was called Envision and was about black empowerment and feminism. And they had like different workshops. And there was like one workshop only for white people or some workshops only for black and people of color. And when I went there, I was not really into racism and feminism at all, actually. And I was like, okay, why is that? Why do they like exclude uh, people from workshops? And um, then the people said like, yeah, um, for the um, group with like only black people and people of color, they just wanted to create a safe space. So understood like if they would like make it too inclusive, like include like white people, then they could come up you know like with white planning and a lot of things that could be like really offensive as well. So I think it's important to just define or make sure what's the goal of the workshop or what what should be the target group kind of. And for the white um, only group, it was about critical whiteness. So I can understand if you talk about this really like critical topics, it's better if everyone is white and just sharing their experiences, kind of, because I think if a person, if so like a black and person of color would be inside this group, the person could be like really triggered and it could be like really, like, I don't know, just like really hurting and I think kind of, But I suppose the question is here, um, can you trust a group of white cis men to moderate themselves and to <laughs> unlearn things on their own? And that's, I guess, the difficult yeah. part. But there were like kind of leaders for the workshop. So it was not like, you know, you just gather, um, like you just find a group and then just talk about it. But there yeah, were like yeah. really re uh, leaders who um, control, control or like kind of um, moderated. Yeah, moderated um, yeah, the workshops. So. Reactions? Sorry, I also had a thought while you were talking is this safe space versus educational space and I've heard especially coming from some of my black queer friends like they say like when they're in a space with just other black queer folks in that safe space it's also a far more educational space as well because then they can like work out all the stuff that they've been thinking and the mm -hmm. ways that they've been trying to imagine and they don't have any more barriers of like worrying about other people like clamping down on the way that they're imagining and trying to act and mm -hmm. so I can also see that that's really nice that it's not just a safe space but it's mm -hmm. also like so much more yeah. um so yeah i i feel like this is this, this weird thing where people are like oh like why do you like what is safe sp but mm -hmm. it's like i think it's also more like uh, yeah. yeah yeah safe space on its own has like far more value than just to be a place where you can avoid triggers because yeah. it's a place where you can really <laughs> you know think on the the level of of people who have been thinking about the same issues as you and like without having to deal with questions but then the, the, to come back to where the discussion happened with the joining a feminist network it's very mm. much a space where people from all kinds of backgrounds and feminist education can come together. Mm. And so then you have, and we want to make that as safe as possible, but it will never be an exclusively safe. Yeah, I think 
something I experience with the GFN also. Yeah, you can go first and then Lisa. Um, is that yes, the GFN is majorly white mm-hmm. also. Yeah. And I still don't, even though it's, I don't know if I would feel more safe and comfortable if there were more black bodies or more brown bodies in the group. Mm-hmm. But I somehow, and I think a lot of black people do this. They kind of like, I don't know, edit themselves or Mm -hmm. don't say how they feel because they're in a white space. And I feel, I do feel like that sometimes at the GFFN. I mean, I know some of the people more personally like you and uh, when you were on the board and all of that Um, and I think I feel generally safe around y'all but you know like when it's new people also it's a bit more uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean it's still a space in which most of the people who are there do not share the, the experience you have as being a black queer person. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Elisa? Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to comment on like the white organizations thing, but <laughs> I just want to go back to that. Sorry. Um, I just, yeah, I definitely get, I feel like the, the black queer experience is a very different from the usual black experience or the usual queer experience, because like you said earlier, these two circles don't diverge as much as as you think they should and there's i think also a lot of conservatism still in the black community um that is that can sometimes be very hard to work with i mean as a woman of color of course i've experienced it from home from friends from family and stuff like that and it is, it is very weird when you're out there campaigning, campaigning for gay marriage and then your aunt sends you a Facebook evite for, for a petition to not legalize gay marriage and you just sit there and you think, like, what, what do I do with this? Do I go start a fight with my aunt? Um, <laughs> sorry, that was a little off topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, what I actually wanted to say is with the... With, there's with the white-led organizations and stuff. I think there's a lot of white-led organizations and I think they're able to do a lot of good. Um, and I think today there's a lot of um, like discussion about if that's positive or not. And I think that is really, really great. But I feel like some people take, this, take it as an excuse basically to then not get involved anymore to say like, oh, it's not my problem, so I'm just gonna like just take a step back. Like they can do the work, and then when they ask me, I can say, "Oh, I support it," <laughs> and do nothing else. And I think um, that white-led organizations have like a right to be there as much as any other organization, and that they just need to think about and learn from maybe more diverse organizations and should definitely like consider a lot of collaboration but that you don't that you shouldn't be too afraid to do something like to just act basically in general Mm -hmm. isn't it oh 
Uh, yeah, I wanted to say one thing, you know, um, I think, yes, they should be there, just like everybody else, because we all should have a space. Uh, however, I think that they should also help minorities to be the leaders of their fight also, because they have the privilege to just like start up something mm. more readily than somebody who is in a, a, a minoritized position. So, um, yes, but that's, like you said, it doesn't say that, okay, we're not going to do the work because this is all of our fights, you know? Mm -hmm. So even if black people or colored people are leading an activist group it doesn't mean that you know like you really should the support should be the same as if yeah i mean if you're leading it but yeah you get what i'm saying yeah no i totally get what you're saying yeah. no i didn't mean that you shouldn't like collaborate or stuff like that i just felt like I want I really wanted to say that because I know a lot of people who are like oh, I don't want to get involved I'm scared I'm gonna take up space yeah. or something mm. like that and I think with that, these kind of concerns I think there's a very easy uh, solution just go and talk to the people that you think you might take the space mm -hmm. from go and talk to them and uh, find out what they would like you to do rather mm -hmm. than just seeing it as like ah oh, it's not my fight let's just mm. stay out of it <laughs> yeah yeah i think i kind of wanted to say that um because i think the debate is and if we just take the example of like the the, the group of men white men trying to solve themselves i guess um it's it i think those debates are really good f exactly f for those organizations and 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 even like for every white person trying to get involved and in, 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 in getting involved in not only our fight, uh, in parentheses, um, because it keeps it aware in your head that, you know, keeps your privilege aware and, and, and um, it, I think it, it facilitates a reflection in the best term sometimes it doesn't but you know how far you could then argue how far are these people who are not reflective and who are just thinking about themselves how how far are they actually activists um so i think those debates are really really um important and and to go and talk to everybody that you can meet and that you you want to support and and to be open to that as well i think that's hard sometimes because you get into that space where you're like you know i don't want to take up space i don't want to hurt anybody or something like that mm -hmm. but just there's a difference kind of between taking up space and supporting mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and i think what maybe you said elisa is actually very true that some people are very quick to say I don't want to take up space as an excuse to not mm -hmm. actively support um, on that 
kind of, uh, well, on that note, I, we're running a little bit out of time. So I would like to do um, a circle, and anyone who's in the circle and who wants to can have a, uh, basically say, what's a takeaway point from this conversation in terms of organizing inclusively? And then um, I'm afraid we're not going to be able to do all our segments, so we'll just promote um, events that are coming up that you want to talk about. So if you're from one of your organizations is having an event you want to talk about, you can promote that um, after the takeaway point round. Um, and then we'll close up. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so what takeaway point do the organizations have? And I think I'm going to start on my left this time. Okay. Um, kind of... Yes, on the far left. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, I think um, something that uh, XR and Extinction Rebellion has been working on and I think continue needs to work on is just like a constant reflexivity. I think especially like with uh, like all of these comments, like it's just like with white people, especially like white cis men, like there's just a lack of reflexivity on a daily basis that um, other people, especially like black people, the notion of double consciousness, for example, that Du Bois talks about, like that there's just this constant reflection or knowledge of multiple things going on. Um, and so when white people are in movements or leading movements, however, um, they're operating is just like be aware, be reflective, and like keep pushing yourself in the things that you're learning because there's always going to be more barriers to break through. Like uh, you, you as, as a white man, you just don't realize like how much stuff you don't know. Um, and so just to keep working on that is huge. Yeah. Um, I think uh, for me, the takeaway is uh, the also the, the reflecting and the bridging, like, uh, like building the bridges. Um, what Millie said, I think that's that's what I, I will take home with me. Engaging. For me, I think, like I was saying before, I think also, yeah, it goes with reflection again, that no matter the activism you do, you should be reflective of where it's going because... Um, yeah, within groups, there's also differences and diversity, so. Yeah, um, yeah I think we should be, or we'll try to be more conscious of like actually, like not only, yeah, just like creating a safe space on paper as well, so that like when we reach out to other communities that we can also say like, hey, it's not just us saying it, we also have it on paper, you can see it like, not only like in what we do, but also just that we, are more conscious about like actually to really manifest it. Yeah, manifest yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think for for idea it's quite similar because we we are more of an educational group and so we have to think about um, how do we weigh up like safe space with education um, and I think that's definitely something we need to go into further and uh, like kind of set some standards for that. And just in general, I feel like we learned a lot today because we're like a young organization. So stuff we can think about, like where are we meeting and stuff like that, just got more into the foreground. Yeah. Anyone else in the circle? No? All right. Um, yeah, I suppose I should also say um, a learning point for me. I think what we've discussed here, I, I uh, you know, like, is definitely also something along the lines of never stop learning and never stop uh, thinking you can improve yourself. Like I haven't been involved so much in the Choding Feminist Network 
um, organization so much recently, but I think that this is something I could have used when I was on the board. It's to constantly think, okay, well, what can I do with the feedback I'm getting? How can we make connections within the community, um, within these people, within this group of people from, you know, various different backgrounds to get to a place where we do all, where we all want to be going and how can we sort of streamline that through listening to each other and through really internalizing that feedback and, and growing from it. Um, so upcoming events in order of likeliness that you will be able to go there before the recording is released. Um, May 17th, unlikely that you will hear this before then, but maybe so, uh, is Ida Hobbit um, or International Day Against Homophobia, um, Biphobia, Transphobia. Um, and following that is uh, Queer Pride Groningen, which will be the last week of May from basically the Saturday till Saturday, uh, to Sunday. Um, so, and the first two days of June then. Um, and all kinds of events are being organized. There will be a Pride March on June 1st. That's a Saturday. Um, Lustrum Conference. So the Rug is holding Lustrum. The theme is all-inclusive. Um, there's plenty to be said about whether the Rug is inclusive and whether this Lustrum <laughs> theme is... Uh, whether this Lustrum theme, you know, like, I, you know, I know the people, the people working on it are working very hard to try and make it something, but uh, Rug is being a little bit superficial as we've discussed yeah. um, we're working on the book right, right now like getting in contact with their diversity <laughs> amazing <and> stuff. yeah <laughs> it, it needs to be done because i'm not even sure where the diversity office is if they even have a physical office um but yeah so the listrum conference is all about um sort of diversity and inclusion in academia um it's on the 6th and 7th of june and then a lot of the speakers so that you have to pay for that but you can apply for a fee waiver um, hopefully still by the time that this is, comes out. Um, and also the closing dinner, there will be a performance by Travis Alabanza. So that's pretty cool. And there's also speakers like Kimberly Crenshaw, who basically, you know, invented intersectionality, um, it's a keynote speaker. So lots of cool stuff at the conference. And a lot of the speakers at the conference will also be at the night of arts and sciences on the 8th of June. Um, Idea and uh, Women's March, you have a collab coming up. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, that was perfectly coordinated. That was great. You talk about um, it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, we have a really nice event planned for the 5th of June in the Harmony Building. It is called Our Students as Liberal as They Think, a discussion about biases. And it will touch uh, a lot about uh, on, on biases, inclusivity, and we are trying to get the diversity lady, that's how we call her, <laughs> there as well. Um, I hope that's not too much shade. <laughs> um, uh, yes, says. and we will uh, have a little presentation and then a discussion, and uh, we hope that a lot of people show up uh, and um, discuss with us. It would be great if, you, if we would see you there. Any other plugs? For events or Facebook pages? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, move on to Facebook pages. Where can we find y'all? Uh, yeah, so you can find IDEA on Facebook, IDEA Initiative for Diversity, Equality and Awareness, and also on Instagram. So check us out. <laughs> um, we are Honey Free Activist, and we are on Facebook and Instagram. And we have our actions every Thursday evening um, and Saturday afternoon in Herenstraat. We are Black Ladies of Groningen blog. 
And you could find us also on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I would like to promote uh, the Trans and Intersex Solidarity Action uh, Group. I always think it's funny if it's group. We have an Instagram account now, um, TSAG North. TSAG North? TSAG? TSAG North. Yep, so find us there. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yep, I don't have time to really talk about what it is, but if you look it up, you'll find out. <laughs> um, yeah, and Women's Much Chronian is on Facebook and also on Instagram, um, so check us out there. And Extinction Rebellion Chronian is on Facebook. Yeah. And if you want to get involved, show up at their meetings, and then, yeah, that's basically it. And Instagram, too. Yeah, we have an Instagram. Um, yeah, <laughs> lastly, podcast, the GFN podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can find all our old episodes on Mixcloud, um, and you can find our last three episodes wherever you get your podcasts. I promise one day you will find them all. You can also find all our stuff at So My Radio, our wonderful producers. Um, so be sure to check out So My Radio Pantanel or find So My Radio on wherever you get your podcasts as well. Uh, thank you so much for coming, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's it for us. I'm going to press stop now.